off. All right, I'd like to thank everybody. Um, so today we're going to be <coughs> talking about uh, inner power. Uh, and again, you know, I'm Dr. Will Horton. Um, you all know me, you're probably all from my list. Um, psychologist, author, actor, I still claim that. Uh, I've been doing some stuff. Uh, well, I filmed a couple of commercials and infomercials in the last, not for me, my pro, nothing for me. It was, I was a, I was a hired gun on as a, so it was fun and <laughs> still doing trainings. So today we're going to always start with um, uh, my contact info. Note to self, I'm still reminding myself and any, any of my trainers that watch this, whenever you do a uh, like these are called uh, pitch, these aren't pitch webinars, these are info webinars where you talk about things um, and you're not really selling anything, but still always put your contact info because there might be somebody who watches this now or when I put it on YouTube or in the easing that really doesn't follow me, so, or put it on Facebook. Uh, so it's nfnlp.com or drwillhorton.com. Um, I'm on Instagram as Dr. Will Horton. I think my Twitter is uh, Dr. Will at Real NLP, so you can follow me. And as always, the only easy day was yesterday, right? So today, what can I, and then I made a typo already, what can I learn about my inner power today? How can I apply this new information? And it, what is my block? We're going to talk a little bit about block today. And what's my coping mechanism to support that block? That's what we're going to talk about. And as always, always ask yourself, whenever you start any kind of presentation, class, anything, what can I learn new today? How can I enjoy this material? How can I grow today? And what can I do different, right? So what would happen if you could easily increase your inner power using how your mind actually works? Not just theory, not just, but how your mind actually works. So what do Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, The Rock, Lady Gaga all have in common, uh, besides that they're all like, you know, super wealthy and everything. What do they all have in common? Well, one of the things I would say is they have inner power or an inner drive that leads to action toward whatever it is that they're working on. You know, and there's a broad group up there, right? And so what does the word power, though, conjure up in your mind when you talk, when I talk, when anyone talks about it, an inner power, personal power, acquiring power, communication power, influencing power. These are all books I've seen lately. Yeah, but what is the word power, right? And in, especially in the sub-world I'm in, the NLP and the hypnosis world, like most of the people, some of it sometimes has a negative connotation. You know, it'll be about negative, corruption, abuse, manipulation. Um, you know, there's a great show I think everybody should watch on Netflix called The Boys, where it's about these superheroes that are all evil, right? And basically the whole theme of the, I read the guy when he pitched it, it was about how absolute power corrupts, as we've all heard, absolute power can corrupt absolutely, right? And so these guys, it's just kind of interesting, but what does it conjure up to you? But if it conjures up anything negative, what if you reframe this as the power to control your own life, right? And again, one of the things in common when you, and these people that I know from reading what they say, Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, Bezos, The Rock, Lady Gaga, all have that in common. They wanted to control their own life, right? And in like, I'll use Lady Gaga, it was to control her music, 
So yes, she did outrageous things, but it was all to control her music. That was her personal power. Is to, she's in control of The Rock after he uh, failed as a professional football player, you know, uh, he talked about taking control and he, so he followed in the family footsteps. Everybody forgets that. He became a wrestler. His dad was a big wrestler, right? So he followed along that. And then he talked about taking control of his persona and going into acting. I mean, the list goes on and on. The one to me that's interesting is Elon Musk. Very interesting. Because he always talks about taking control of his personal life and also in a business, how can he get more control? And his first big success, um, and he might have had one before this, but was PayPal, right? And he talked about, because he wanted to give more power and control to the small business person, right? Because banks were ripping you off left and right. You know, three, four, 5% user fees. Uh, so he wanted to create PayPal, basically for internet, trans, you know, uh, Inter internet uh, sales, transactions, right? And it was all about power. And Zuckerberg talked about the power to connect. You know, Bezos was about connecting consumers with small, originally, Amazon was to hook you up with, you know, small people that created things and then sell it on a platform. So they all had the idea of, of it was about control of their own life and then helping people get control of their lives. You know, whether it's their business life like Elon Musk and or Zuckerberg, your personal life with, you know, it's changed how we communicate with people. Bezos changed how we buy. Uh, the Rock is The Rock, whatever, Lady Gaga, uh, things like that. But I always throw this at the beginning. I like this smartphone equals stupid people, right? And what I mean by that is there's so much information at our fingertips, right? You can, I've heard it said that the internet is the greatest gift to humanity in the last decades, if not ever. And at the same time, other people say the internet is the greatest curse, right? Because there's no filters on it, da, 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 da. But there's so much to grab your attention, right, on, on the internet. And now it's at your fingertips with your smartphone. You don't even have to be sitting at home to get on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And there's so much to grab your interest. And this leads into one of the first points we'll talk about. What's the difference between interest or commitment, right? How do you tell the difference? Well, interest is, that's cool. How many things in your life you hear about it, you look at it, you go, that's cool. You're interested in it, right? We can, and that's the, to me, the curse of the internet. There's so much really cool stuff you could study, right? But commitment is taking action to follow through on what you want to do. You could be interested in learning how to sing. You could be interested for years, decades, your whole life, never do anything with it. But the moment you start taking action toward it and you commit to it, it changes everything. And, and one of the things we see, and I see in our little world of hypnosis, NLP, and coaching, is people are interested in it but they're not committed to it, right? They're interested in it. Uh, but do they go all in? Are they committed, right? And so when you think about this kind of stuff, are you interested in this kind of stuff? Or, or And that's fine. And I always tell my trainers in the NLP and the hypnosis world, don't display, don't downplay this because if you get 20 people in a room for a basic hypnosis or a basic NLP course, I guarantee you 
at least 50%, probably closer to 70, are interested in the material. They are not committed to make this their livelihood. You know, but I don't want to kick out, you know, three quarters of my class just to get the five people that really want to become practitioners or coaches or hypnotists or whatever it happens to be, you know. Uh, so, you, but at the same time, there's that flip, but are, and how many things are you interested in versus how many things are you committed to, you know, but what's the biggest block, you know, and we all, Tony Rob, our dear friend is, let me do my NOP, our dear friend, Tony Robbins would say it's fear. And I've heard that said over Jim Rohn, fear stops you. Uh, but people mistakenly think it's either fear of failure or fear of success. That's what you hear all the time. Some people say it's fear of failure. What if I fail? Other people say, well, if it's fear of success, you know what, if I do this and I'm successful, then what? Right? If I, I still remember, I always use the example of the guy I was helping uh, him with his book. He was finishing a book and he kept putting it off. But we we're almost done. I'm like, dude, just finish the freaking book. You know, and he's putting it off. And he finally said, yeah, but if it's good, they'll want me to write another one. I'm like, first of all, you don't even know if anybody's going to buy this goddamn book. I mean, you know, it's like you're way cart before horse, but we all do that. It's like, what if that's fear of, you know, is it success? Is it failure? These two flip. But I think they're both wrong and they're both right in some ways, but they're both wrong. So in my opinion, from studying it, what is the true fear that stops people? What is the true fear? All right. Are you ready? You want to know? All right. To me... The true fear is being judged. Being judged by your friends or your peers, your family, your coworkers, some kind of an authority figure, right? Have you ever started something? Like you, you get interested in something, you start taking a class. So you go, I want to do this. And then maybe a friend, a coworker, a family member question it. So you stop because you didn't want to be judged. Only to see someone else succeed with that idea you had later on, right? Uh, as you all know, and I hate to bore you with it, but I always talk about addiction recovery because that's a world I'm in and both personally and clinically and, you know, all that. You see people start to get, they're interested in getting clean and sober. So maybe they go to a meeting, maybe they go through a treatment center, it's working. And then, you know, your friends, ah, it's bullshit, you know, you're not an alcoholic. So they quit, right? Only to see that friend or that family member that was slamming them end up in sobriety later on in life, right? But I always think of just in your personal life, you come up with an idea and people ridicule you. Usually it's friends, family, coworkers, or some kind of authority figure. And then you see it later on, right? Um, because when you're judged, it makes everything worse, you know? Uh, there was a thing I read in last, uh, I think it was Wednesday, whenever it was, we had, uh, we were talking and uh, one of our trainers, Dr. John Oda, a personal coach, he was Tony Robbins, one of Tony Robbins' main coaches for a few years. And he talked about he had a, a, a stuttering problem. And, you know, excuse my dogs in the background, uh, but he had a stuttering problem. And, you know, and he talked about how he reframed it in his mind. But anyway, and I was thinking about that because I remember uh, a, 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 what do you call a person that uh, uh, helps people with stuttering? 
what's the technical term? Speech pathologist? Yes, a speech pathologist. I read something they wrote about uh, um, stutterers and she said a lot of people with a bad stuttering problem were basically ridiculed and judged for it when they were kids. And usually by peers and, and family members, like brothers, sisters, they tease you, you know? And of course they might say, well, I'm teasing you to try to make you better and then it makes it worse. And then you did da, 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 da. And then she said that uh, kind of what Dr. Uh, John said the other day, which is she had great success with little kids just saying, you know, this just means you're thinking so fast, your tongue can't keep up. And it, the kids kind of just would, and she would do speech exercises. Of course, she was a speech pathologist, but just that idea, like he said, you're just thinking too fast. Because I guarantee you, everyone on here will probably stutter or search for words when you're really on a roll, right? Right, when you're really on a roll. Uh, so, can you take baby steps? You know, how, I always say lately, how long do you give a baby to learn how to walk? Is there a time frame? You know, that little guy ain't walking by, you know, 14 months, that's it. We're strapping him in a thing and he's, you know, yeah, well, we'll put him in a wheelchair. No, we don't judge, you know, and do we judge babies for falling down? Do, no, we just, you know, but um, I always think about, I love when you watch a little kid and usually when they're about, after they've been walking so they can kind of walk, but they still fall, whatever age that is. And I know it's dependent on each child. It's, it's, there's no set time frame, but they get to that where they can kind of walk and then they can't, but they're, they're walking and then they fall down. And then it's called the cry or not cry moment. They look at their mom or their dad or the other people around them. And, you know, and as Carolyn can say, cause she raised a couple kids pretty close to me. You know, if you just turn your back, don't think any, they just get up and keep, right? But if you go over, oh, baby, they start crying, you know, things like that. Uh, and again, you know, can we, can we take that attitude of you're going to do it until you succeed? You know, it may take some kids. My daughter was walking, I think, pretty good at about 11 months, if I remember right. She was pretty, you know, uh, and she was talking young. And anybody that's ever met my daughter tell you she still hasn't shut up since she started. <laughs> I don't know where she gets that from, you know, you know, nut meat tree. Um, but yeah, but can you do that? It's easier said than done, right? Because again, we were worried about being judged, you know, in all kinds of ways. Will that stop your success? And then I think the thing as we get started, this is going to be a several week process, is the trap of success. We fall into thinking that success is a gift, right? We see the finished product. You know, we judge our beginning of, a, of something by someone else's end. You know, it's your first acting class. And so you're learning how to act. We'll use that as an example, right? And you're going to judge yourself by Robert De Niro doing a scene or a cold read, right? You can't do that, you know, like in the martial arts world. You know, it's one of your first karate classes. You can't judge how you're trying to do a front kick by uh, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, right? But we do that. And then we, uh, we uh, you know, we think it's just a gift. And yes, there's genetic things for certain things. There are genetic things that can help you. But, you know, especially someone that's really practiced something, it looks effortless. 
And again, we're judging our start by their finish. And again, think of athletes and actors. You know, have you ever watched a TV show? You know, here in the States or Miss uh, Shamala in wonderful India. And if you see the first episode of a TV show, right? Like the first episode or two, like it's called the pilot. And then you see the show six or seven episodes or a year later, how much the actors have grown in the part. I think we've all experienced that, right? Um, because they are, we're, you know, we get to watch them in the process from the very beginning to the very end, right? So, and again, we see that finished product, but we don't see their actions, their practice, their rehearsals, their failures. You know, I heard a person at a seminar I was at make the statement, was about acting, make the statement, you're only as good in performance as you got the guts to be bad in rehearsal, All right? You got, and uh, it was an interesting comment, right? Because it's, you rehearse, you practice, and then what the audience sees or what they, the camera sees at the end is the final product. Right? So here are the true keys on our little, some of the takeaways that successful people seem to have learned or natural. They may learn it, it may be natural. I don't know, right? But these seem to be pretty true. They can handle frustration, right? They can handle frustration. And that would be both personally and professionally um, as, as, as they're going toward it. A big one is they can handle or reframe rejection, right? Or that ability not to let other people's judgment get to them. You know, some of them will reframe it as a positive. You know, I remember when they, uh, uh, Musk was talking about someone PayPal and was getting started and he was getting rejection from everybody. Everybody kept pointing out how, you know, Bank of America, all the big banks were, thought it was a stupid idea, right? And his reframe was, of course they think it's a stupid idea. I'm taking money out of their pocket. You know, they're charging small business being, I remember when I was taking first credit cards in the late eighties, it was like six or 7% sometimes to run a credit card. You know, that went to the bank, had nothing to do in the credit card company, which was owned by the bank, right? Some of us remember that, you know, and he comes up with PayPal, which was whatever it is, one or 2% right now. And, you know, so he took their, their criticism, their judgment as a positive, right? Usually successful people can handle and actually kind of enjoy pressure, right? A big one, and here's kind of a paradox, they avoid complacency, but they can accept good enough for certain parts of whatever they're doing, right? Because if you're gonna write a book, sooner or later you gotta say, this is the book, it's good enough. Is it ever perfect? You know, oh. I heard Stephen King talk about uh, he hates reading his first work or any of his books because all he can see is the flaws, right? And he, in his book on writing, he tells writers, once you get to the point, it's good enough, just submit the thing and start your next book because you'll never finish the book because you can go back, you could add this, you could add that, you know. Uh, so you avoid complacency, you keep going, you don't get complacent, but you have to be able to accept good enough. Um, usually truly successful people help others become successful. 
in their business, in their per whatever it is they're doing, it's just kind of a ripple effect. They delegate success. And this was a big one I think a lot of us can fall into. They delegate. They do what they do best and let other people do the other things. And they attract others, either with their communication skills or they pay them. Right? Uh, I call it the dollar over dime thing. I think my dad used to say that. Don't step over a dollar to save a dime. Right? Uh, uh, but I've seen that. People go, no, I'll just create my own website. And then they take, they take six months, right? And put out, they're not seeing clients. They're not doing this. And they get their website up. They could have paid somebody three, four, five hundred bucks, had the website up in a week and move on. Nope, nope. To me, that's stepping over a dollar to try to save a dime. You know, uh, I just had it with somebody I was coaching on doing a book. And I said, well, here's where you go to get your, like to have a few people design your covers. No, I'll just do it myself. I don't want to give that person like 10 bucks to, you know, a graphic artist to design my book. And I'm like, you know, and I think he got bogged down for about a month trying to design his own cover. Yeah, it's just like, but we can all do it, right? Because delegating is hard. But to be able to delegate, it goes back up to sometimes you just got to accept good enough. Right. As later on, after we do the, uh, the, the talk, uh, I'll, I'll get feedback from Captain Billy because I know true leadership is knowing not everybody can do it to the true standard you want, but is it good enough to get the job done right now? You know, I heard Schwarzkopf talk about that, you know, uh, and what is it? He got slammed. Uh, I'll edit this out of the book, but he got slammed with Rumsfeld when he said, we go to the war with the army we got, not the army we want, <laughs> or whatever it was. But it makes sense. It, it wasn't a slam. It's like, you know, it's still the best in the world. But so can you delegate? And to delegate, you have to get the people to do it and let them do what they do, right? So here's a step formula. You know, you need a clear-cut goal. Right. Elon Musk is a good example. Right. Now he's done multiple things. It doesn't mean you only do one thing. You know, it's the first one I can think of. It might have one before if anybody knows, appreciate it later, but was was PayPal. You know, he was committed to the goal uh, because as a person, I think he was doing some Internet marketing. He got tired of paying those big things and he saw the need of that and he was committed to the goal. He took the action toward it and he realized there was no failure, only feedback. You know, and one of our classic NLP presuppositions, no failure, only feedback, because you always succeed at getting a result. That's you start something, there's going to be a result. It may not be what you want, but there's going to be a result. And then you can adapt and change your behavior. Okay. Uh, Fred Smith of, uh, of FedEx talked about, you know, the one of the when they launched the company, of course, everyone told him he was crazy back when he launched FedEx. Um, I think it was the late 70s, um, of course, mid 70s. Uh, everybody told him he was crazy. Nobody would pay to ship packages when you could use the US mail. You know, it was stupid. Nobody would do it. Nobody would pay a premium. Um, and he, first day after he set everything up, airplane, I mean, it was, this wasn't a small setup, right? So he got it going. And first day, they were supposed to send a couple hundred packages. They sent like eight or 10, with half of those being packages from themselves to themselves, right? And at the end, he just looked at it. Well, we got a result. Great. We know how to send packages. The ones we tested worked, right? 
Now we just need to like tweak the numbers, which was an interesting way to say it, but he, he adapted, changed his behavior, and then just kept going, right? Uh, you have to develop the energy to keep going. Uh, we'll talk about that as we keep going. Focus on the outcome, not the steps of the process, right? What's your outcome? And if your outcome is to mail package it, to get this packaging business, that's the outcome. He, he changed a little bit how he did it, you know? Elon Musk with, with what he was doing, you know? And it, you focus on the outcome, but we can get caught up in steps or processes, right? And cut out the dead weight, right? You know, like I use the plate analogy, you know, if you're gonna eat, your plate's only so big, what do you wanna put on it at the time? You know, uh, all the good motivational speakers say, what is one thing, uh, all of us that make it through the whole day, what is from the smartest person in the world to the, to the, to the lowest, if you will, the richest to the poorest, what's one thing that's absolutely common to everybody? We all have 24 hours in a day, right? How are you gonna spend that time, you know? And that may be cutting out some of your interests to focus on those things you're committed to. You know, there's, again, if, you know, everybody's excited to look like a bodybuilder if they're into that until they realize, you mean I got to work out more than once? <laughs> yeah. they, isn't there a pill for that? I saw the movie Captain America. Isn't there a machine you can put me in where I come out, you know, looking like Chris Evans? <laughs> the rock. Uh, so you got to realize there's certain things that maybe right now you can't focus on. Okay. Not that you're still not interested in it, but you know, interest equals time, time equals taking away from a commitment. So as we wrap up week one, because I'm going to keep these short and then we'll talk, is there something that you want that you'd like to work on? Are you interested or are you committed? And there's nothing wrong with vast amounts of interest. But, you know, and you can run multiple things as we see like Elon Musk do uh, or Richard Branson with multiple businesses, but it's still, you know, uh, are you interested or are you committed? And so the next week, we're going to be talking about turbocharging your success. And, you know, we'll do these, you know, there'll be half hour, 45 minute little talks, and then we'll keep sharing, have some fun. Uh, but it's all about inner power, you know, so let me stop the recording. <laughs>